Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Podcast with your host, Mike Campion. From breasts, bellies, and Botox to tummy tucks, butt lips, and mommy makeovers, we uncover it all for you. Listen in on interviews with real-life patients, top-notch surgeons, and industry experts. You're going to hear about costs, recovery times, what to expect, risks, rewards, and all sorts of behind-the-scenes access to all things cosmetic surgery. Whether you want a new look, a little more confidence, or just a flat-out feel better, you're in the right place. Welcome, Plastic Surgery Nation, to today's installment of All Things Cosmetic Surgery. Remember, you can help make the show great by emailing questions, comments, and rude remarks to me at mike at plasticsurgerypodcast.com. You can also call and leave your rants and uh, suggestions and comments at Plastic Surgery Podcast Hotline at 888-636-8266. And last but certainly not least, tell your friends, enemies, families, strangers passing by in the street just how much you love Plastic Surgery Podcast. That said, today's doctor is Dr. Dr. Douglas Steinbreck. Dr. Steinbreck is a fully trained plastic surgeon board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgeons under the American Board of Medical Specialties. He specializes in minimally invasive aesthetics. He incorporates the philosophy, this philosophy into all of the surgical and non-surgical techniques, and he's been selected as America's top plastic surgeons by the Consumers Research Council of America. When you want to connect with Dr. Steinbreck and his team, you can call 212-750-7100 or check out his website at www.maleplasticsurgerynewyork.com. All that information will be on his show notes page at plasticsurgerypodcast.com. All that said, Dr. Steinbrecht, please cut me off and say hello to Plastic Surgery Nation. Yeah, hello. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here today. Thanks so much. Good to have you. And we got to go full disclosure, just in case you guys are worried that you know Dr. Steinbrecht left someone wide open on the operating table and come out to do a quick interview with us. He's like, oh, no, I'm at my house in the Hamptons. I haven't shaved. I'm relaxed, so uh, don't feel too sorry for this guy. We uh, we love him, but <laughs> I'm actually getting a lot of work done. I'm writing a book, a textbook on male plastic surgery for Elsevier, and uh, so the only time that I can really hunker down and and really work and develop that textbook is when I'm out of the office and free up a little bit of time. So I have a little man cave in the bottom of my house where. I get a lot of work done. All right. Well, now I feel bad that you're actually doing important work and we've taken you away from that to yak with me. So thank you very much for your time, my friend. That, that's all right. I mean, the real sad thing is, is in my a deep, dark basement when I when I when actually it's beautiful and sunny and all my buddies are at the beach. Well, I'm the exact opposite. I'm indoors looking out at my beauty where we back up to a nature preserve. So it looks gorgeous, but it's 110 out. So I'm, there's no chance in, in God's green earth I'm going out there. So before we get going, tell us a little bit about you and your practice. Are you married, single, kids? What do you do in your spare time? What's your practice look like? Give us a, a little bit of insight into the world of Dr. Steinbrecht, if you would. I did my training at NYU, which is just, a, just outstanding for plastic and reconstructive surgery. And uh, I'm, I'm married and I have a son named Jack. He's five years old and he's running around in the backyard right now. And um, we, uh, I've been in practice of Gotham Plastic Surgery for about 10 years have an amazing partner named Phil Miller who does amazing rhinoplasty. He's a great guy. But my focus has been over the last 10 years has really developed into immense plastic surgery. And so uh, I'm board certified, American Board of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Still very involved with the NYU staff and the residents there. And, uh, but I, I'm really involved 
my private practice into uh, male plastic surgery. Let's jump into that because that's interesting. You are the first guest we've had that is has that specialty. How did you come to it, and what is uh what does that kind of look like on a day to day basis? Because I'm a male, and what you know what would make me go? I I need a guy that specializes in male plastic surgery. Yeah. Well, it's really amazing that no one has developed this area. And it's sort of funny, if you look into other areas or other products and services in, in, in the United States, if you look in fashion, for instance, uh, it, it, it's very funny because the, the, the interest in global fashion from women to men is about 60-40, so 60%. So if you say last year, women spent... $600 billion on clothes globally. But men were not that far behind. They spent $400 billion on. So it's 60-40. So that is different somehow in plastic surgery. And why is that? And beauty. And why is that? It's because, men, it's because I hate to say it, but a lot of the doctors it's and a lot of the companies, it's a male-dominated business, but the men always think that it needs to be steered to women and that's just the way it is but in fashion guys you know make things for guys and uh, but they really don't in plastic surgery they think about two things they think about facelifts and they think about breast augmentation and I, I work in New York and so I have a very diverse population we have a lot of guys we have a lot of a lot of Wall Street guys we have a lot of gay dudes down in the down in the village and in Chelsea and we have a lot of male models. We have a lot of male actors. So in my metropolitan area, I just started having more and more and more male patients. And it, would, it became so intense that um, my uh, Bernadette, who's my patient coordinator, said, Dr. Steinbrecht, this is becoming your niche. You have got to make a men's website that is completely exclusive and completely targeted to men because there is in the United States there's no other site if you look Mike at how many sites there are about plastic surgery there are 2,000 sites in the United States how many sites are there about men's plastic surgery there was zero now there's one and that's my and that's my site and as soon as I put the site up it sort of became viral and I put up a couple of YouTube videos I just put up one YouTube video where I just talk about male plastic surgery. I put it up a year ago, and my other, you know, I, people, plastic surgeons put up a video about a breast augmentation. It gets like, I don't know, like a thousand hits maybe. I put up this video just talking about men's plastic surgery, and one year it's had 130, I think 140,000 hits. So it's definitely a unique niche. It's definitely one that is underserved. And it's one that I love, and that's why it's sort of gone viral for my practice. So what do you do, you know, with women? It's, you know, kind of a lot of breast augmentation, tummy tucks. You know, there's, you know, I'm sure some rhinoplasty in there. What, what is the, the fella's kind of plastic surgery of choice? It, it depends on what kind of fella it is. And, and when you go to my website, you'll see I did a very unique thing that nobody's ever done with their website. Um, and what we do is we 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 sort out, we tease out what different types of dudes there are. And the reason why we do that is it helps us to understand them. And different sorts of guys 
go for different things. And it's really interesting. So I'm going to go into the four different types that we have. The, the, the first type is, is, the male, is the male model or the male actor. I now have a website in LA where there's a male actor out there, but here he's a male model. The second type is the, 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 the daddy, is the guy who has kids. The third type is the bodybuilder. And then the fourth type is sort of the CEO boardroom type. And they're each very different and they each have different personalities and they each have different techniques or different things that they're looking for. First of all, thank you for laying that out because I, I don't know that that's a conclusion I or Plastic Surgery Nation would have come to on our own. But as soon as you kind of broke it down, it made just perfect sense. I could see where each one of those people would have a desire or need for plastic surgery, but it, they're coming from an entirely different world. Can you give us like a little 30 second breakdown of kind of each? Because I'm sure there's at least, you know, you know, many of each of those types listening kind of let us know a little bit about them so people kind of identify and go, yeah, that's me and this guy gets me. Exactly. So number one and that's a great thing about the website because as soon as you enter the website you click on which one which guy most applies to you because then it sends you to your world because the way the male model thinks is completely different than the way the bodybuilder thinks so number one for the male model we're talking about a guy who is in his early to mid 20s very handsome or aspires to be and by the way you don't have to be a male model you don't have to be an actor but even an average looking guy aspires to be the best looking guy he can. Who doesn't want to look more like a male model? So what do these guys want? These guys want to have beautiful skin. They want to have a more structured jawline. So what I do is a chin implant. I do jaw recontouring either with injectables or with permanent implants. They want a more sculpted cheekbone sort of like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise, and I promise you, neither of those guys were born like that. If you looked at Tom Cruise when he was in Risky Business, he had a cute little round doughy face. Now he's chiseled, he's Hollywood, he's a movie star. So that's what we do with the male model. The other thing that the male model looks for is he may have a very pretty face, he may be a good looking dude, but his body isn't quite where his face looks to be and he's missing out he's missing out on different uh, shoots because his body needs to be sharper he needs to be, have more ripped abs he needs to have more of a surfer look so for these guys what we will do is we'll do contouring to their abs uh, I call it surfer abs where I really do abdominal etching I really go in there and create a great six-pack and maybe a small little pec implant but what I'm doing a lot is I'm taking the fat out of one area and I'm putting it in another area. So I'll suck it out of the love handles and out of the abs selectively to give that six pack and then I'll put it into the pecs or the biceps. Now the second guy is sort of the weekend dad, you know, it's the dad and the weekend warrior. He's the guy that used to go to the gym, he used to be able to bench 250, 350 with his buddies, but then he got married. His, his life changed a little bit. He focused on his wife, his kids, his family. He got a little bit hefty and he turned into having a dad bod. And I don't care what the media says. They're trying to make something out of this dad bod. I can tell you the dads and the moms that I know do not want to have a dad bod that's totally been created because somebody found a fat picture of Leonardo DiCaprio on the internet 
and wanted to create some viral media sensation for one. It lasted one week. Yeah, I gotta say, as the owner of a dad bot, I can, I can, uh, <laughs> I can attest my friend. It's, it's not for me. Exactly. So the dad. So what the dads want is they want the same thing. They want to have more contoured body. They want to have the body that they had before we had before they got married. And so what I have for them, instead of the mommy makeover, I have the daddy do-over. The daddy do-over is basically this, some constellation of liposuction to the abs, liposuction to the, to the love handles, because you don't need a handle to love your wife or to be loved. And the other thing, what it is, is guys start to have droopy eyelids, so it's a little pinch of the upper eyelid, and they start to get... A, a big fat neck, so it's sub it's liposuction underneath the chin. So that's number two. All right, so hold on, let me let me recap. It sounds like the first. I really like what you said about even the the model guy can kind of be just a decent looking to good looking guy, but he's probably younger in his twenties, I'm guessing. So he's yep. all right, and then the dad bod guy, he's probably thirties, maybe even early forties, and he's got a different. Got okay, cool. Keep it coming. So then the third guy is a bodybuilder. Now, bodybuilder is completely different animal. And I, I use the word animal for a difference because for, <laughs> for a specific reason, because these guys are beasts. So what they're looking for is a completely different thing. They already have mass, but they're missing something. They're either missing contouring, they're missing definition, or they hit a genetic wall. Now, some of these guys have used juice. They've juiced up, so they may have a thing. You know, they may have gynecomastia, or what people in the popular culture will call, call man boobs. And even if you're not a bodybuilder, you may have it. But bodybuilders can have that. For them, we do a little bit of liposuction under the chest, or we remove that area that they got by doing steroids. The other thing that guys do is they hit a genetic wall. Not a, there are three types of men's body, ectomorphic, which is a tall, thin basketball player, endomorphic, which is a chubby dad bod sort of guy, and mesomorphic, which is classic bodybuilder, wrestler, Olympic wrestler type of person. But all these bodybuilders are some variation of that, and they reach their genetic wall, and they can't get their pecs big enough. They can't get their calves big enough so they have these big arms, big shoulders, and their pecs aren't up to the rest of their body. Their calves aren't up to the rest of the body. And it's just, they hit that genetic wall. So for those people, I can either do fat grafting into those areas, or I can make a tiny incision, and I can slip in pec implants. I can slip in bicep implants, tricep implants, deltoid implants, uh, calf implants to both the, the inside of the calf and the outside of the calf. And I had a guy that I did last uh, three weeks ago. In one sitting in three hours, I put in a forearm implant, a bicep implant, a tricep implant, a delt implant, and a pec implant. So I put in 12 implants in one morning, and he came out looking like a different man. So that's, that's, the, that's the bodybuilder. Man, if you've got any, if you've got any patients that are willing and uh, able to share uh, before and after pictures, I would love to see some of that. I think Plastic Surgery Nation. So if you're able to share those, let me know, and we'll put them up on your show notes page because that sounds tremendous. Yeah, absolutely, we'll do that. And then the last guy is the CEO. He's a boardroom uh, executive guy, and this is a guy who's sort of in his like 50s, 60s, even 70s or 80s, and it's a guy who's at the top of his game, the pinnacle. He's now in, you know, the head of the boardroom. 
He's worked all of his life. He's busted his rear end to get to this point. But the world is getting younger, and he's getting a little bit older, and he needs to stay young. He needs to stay competitive in the boardroom, and he needs to still look young and vital. So what these guys, and by the way, these guys are also, they may be working on, you know, they may be working on wife number two, or boyfriend number two, or whatever, or maybe the wife and then the boyfriend. So th- these guys are, are, are need to stay looking younger. What they're looking for is maybe a neck lift. All the guys are come in to me and they say, Doc, you know, I don't care about my face, but the neck. I have this turkey waddle and I want that gone. So what they're looking for is, is neck. They're looking for ways to stay younger. They're looking to have their eyes lifted a little bit. They're looking to have their keep their body in as much shape as they can. So also a little bit of liposuction and even like maybe a chest lift for these guys. So that's the boardroom guy. And they have everything else in the world. And by the way, I've had a lot of these guys that have had either their wife or their new wife or their new boyfriend or their most importantly their junior partner who has brought them into our waiting room because the junior partner knows I need to keep the old man with all of his connections for another 10 years so that that we can keep this company going so that when I'm older I can run this place and so we've had a lot of these guys coming wow that's amazing and I, I just I love that was usually if a doctor talks for that long I got to cut him off and be like doc slow down you're you know let's let's get something else in but that was truly fascinating it's hard to get to shut up, basically. <laughs> I, I would never. Okay, I would, but not today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell, what what kind of breakdown do you have of, is it pretty evenly distributed? Like that last guy, the board guy from a business perspective, sounds like, well, that's who I want to hang out with. He's got the money. Like that surfer guy, do they, I mean, is it, is it skewed one way or another? Or is it pretty evenly distributed? It's pretty evenly distributed. I mean, in New York, we do see a lot of the younger guys. We see a lot of models. We do see actors, uh, and with the LA site, we're seeing a lot of actors out there. So we do see a lot of those, and and regular guys to aspire to look like a model. But the rest of them, I, I, let me tell you, a lot of wives bring bring in their husbands. We have a lot of those Wall Street daddy guys that want a daddy do over. Yesterday, I did three guys. Two of them were complete daddy do overs. So I had one guy that was. Um, my first case was a guy who was a, who was um, who was actually he was a, he was he was a, a little bit of a toy boy. He was uh, he 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 was um, his husband uh, had him fly up from from Florida and uh, and he he had his abs done and then we took the fat out of his abs. We took the fat out of his love handles and I shaped I made him these beautiful big biceps. I made this beautiful, nice square chest, um, and I turned him into having a male, a male model's body. So he was like 32, 33. So that was my first kind of daddy do-over. It was sort of halvesy. But I, and from where he was at 6 a.m. when he came into the office, where he ended up at, at 10 o'clock was a completely different body. Then the, my second case I had was, was a trainer. So this guy's got to look good. So he was on the other end of the spectrum. He already looked pretty good, but he needed ripped abs because he was having problems. People expected for his mass 
and he was a trainer. They expected him to have ripped abs. So I brought him in. We completely recontoured. We gave him this thing that I call gladiator abs where we etch out, we selectively subtract the six-pack. So we give him those lines of the six-pack. Then I take that fat and I pump it back in to bump, 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 bump out that six-pack and any extra fat that I have from his love handles, I plugged into his pecs. So he had these beautiful square pecs, these beautiful delts, these nice big shoulders. And so now he looks like the trainer that people can expect. And these guys immediately, when they, when I show them pictures when after they wake up, and they cannot believe the transformation. And by the way, the girls in my operating staff, they are amazed. They are amazed with how great these guys look and the transformation that we can create for these dudes. So for my only thing so far is this sounds just like a fantasy land. How, I don't want to say realistic, but how, you know, it sounds kind of new because, you know, breast augmentations, rhinoplasty, a lot of stuff's been around forever and we kind of know what can and can't be achieved. Is there such a thing as kind of over expectations? Guys come in just be like, hey, make me ripped or is that a potential reality? No, what I do is I've, I've done over the last year, how many abs have I done in the last year, Mike? I've done, if I did the numbers, I would say between probably 85 or 95 abs. So I have a range and I show these guys what the range of what they're going to look like. And I show them based on the type of person they have. I've already had, if he's a skinny guy, if he's a fat guy, you know, the three different body types. If he's mesomorphic, ectomorphic, or endomorphic, I have 10 other guys before him that, that I can show them the pictures for their body type, what they're going to look like in a very consistent manner. And also we do um, what we call virtual surgery where we take digital photographs of them. And then I have an amazing staff, uh, Joe Biamonte, who's my patient coordinator. I have one of the few male patient coordinators in the, in, in the United States because everyone has women uh, patient coordinators, who is, which is great. But dudes, a lot, a lot of the times, want to hear from men because they can understand them. But any one of my patients, patient coordinators, uses our virtual surgery to show these people what the realistic expectations will look like. Um, so that's helped uh, a lot. And and if anyone goes into a plastic surgeon's office and they do not have some kind of uh, either either the Vectra, which we have, which is a computer animation system, a Canfield animation system. If they don't have something that can show you how you're going to look like from a digital standpoint, and they don't have a lot of before and afters of other patients who have had the same procedure, then you better get off your rump and walk out of that plastic surgeon's office because that is not the experienced plastic surgeon who has the niche for the for the that thing that you're looking for. So what about feel? I mean, is this something that you can kind of like, you know, with a woman's breast implant, obviously you can kind of tell the difference a little bit depending on what kind of implant. Right. Is this something that like wife or girlfriend or whomever is going to kind of enjoy? What's been your feedback on the, the look and feel? When we plug in the fat, and that's always, that's a most common question. People are like, hey doc, when you play, when you take out the fat and you plug it in my bicep, it's gonna it's gonna be fatty and chubby and it's gonna be wobbly. It is absolutely not the case. And what how this started is for women and for men. I was doing for for gluteal augmentations. Everybody knows about Brazilian butt lift. Yeah. 
Okay, in the last five, ten years, there's been an explosion in, in, in Brazilian butt lift. And for those people who don't know what that is, I'll explain. What it is, because everyone wants to look like Kim Kardashian. Everyone wants to look like J-Lo. Because they want to look like these people, they, we do it one of two ways. We either slide in an implant or, better yet, if you have enough of your own fat, then we can take, off that fat, take out that fat and we can put it into the substance of the muscle of your glutes. And how do I know it works? Because when I do it for men or for women, sometimes, when, sometimes they come in and they don't have a lot of fat and they say, Dr. Steinberg, I want to try and just use the fat. And we get them where they are and they're happy but they want more. So in one or two years, if, they're, if it's not as much as they wanted, I showed them from virtual surgery what a realistic expectation is. They said, you nailed it, but I want more. I go back in two years and I put in a, a real silicone implant. When I do that, Mike, I go in and when I'm going through the muscle to put in that implant, guess what I see? I see the muscle is studded with tiny little globules of fat and the fat incorporates with the muscle it acts like muscle it lives with the with the with the vascular supply of the muscle it behaves like muscle so it works right and it moves like muscle so i know from that that when i plug it into the bicep when i plug it into the tricep when i plug it into the pec muscle that the fat is going to behave and i and and my patients tell me that my patients say i'm really surprised when they flex with their bicep and we have kids that are 25, 35, 45 years old. They flex their bicep. It moves within the fascia of the, which is a silk stocking around that muscle. It moves just like the, like the muscle. When they go back and do more curls, the muscle gets bigger, but those little studdings of fat just makes it more massive. So it works and acts and behaves just like muscle. And it, it even feels like a muscle? It feels like regular muscle. It incorporates, Mike, it incorporates with the fibers of your own muscle. And there's one thing, if we get a chance, I want to touch on this, this idea of body banking. And this is a new concept I'm working on. Do I have a, a second to talk about it? Hey, as long as you stay interesting, I'll let you talk all day, my friend. Okay. Body banking is this great concept. What it means is... The, and I'm going to back up because old-fashioned light bulb. People used to come and they do come into my office and they say, okay, doc, you're going to suck out the fat. You're going to give me these abs. You're going to suck it out of my, out of my, um, out of my, uh, out of my hip, you know, out of my hips. But you're going to throw it in the bucket. And I say, no, I'm not going to throw it in the bucket. Because when you throw it in the bucket, you know, and then you put it out back and Tom Cruise or, or, or Brad Pitt comes out and he turns it into explosives like they did for, you know, for Fight Club. That, that, that's a waste of fat because, it, because that fat is gold. That fat can be a new jawline. That fat can be a sharper cheek. That fat can be a more chiseled chin. So why are we spending all this money on Juvederm, on, on wrestling? On all these injectables, which I love, I own stock in Allergan. Don't get me wrong. I love Allergan. I love Metasys. I believe I'm on the advisory board for, for Allergan. I believe in this stuff. But if you're on the table, why throw away that fat? Because you, if you put it, if you pop it into your chin, you pop it in your cheek, you pop it in the cheek in your face or the cheek on your backside or your pecs, your abs, your delts, your calves, guess what, Mike? 
When you go back and you have a cheeseburger and you have post-operative caloric intake, those fatty acids from McDonald's are swimming around in your bloodstream and guess what? They're looking for some fat cells to, to, to beef up. And when they look for those fat cells, instead of going back to your love handles, instead of going back to your gut, they're going to go to your biceps, they're going to go to your chin, they're going to go to your cheekbone, they're going to go to your jawline, they're going to go to your pecs or your butt, wherever I put that structural fat. And the other thing, Mike, is even worse, is this why I don't like to throw away the fat? Because for those people that we don't do that, that if we throw away your fat, though, when you go back to McDonald's after you have surgery, the patient's absolutely right. That fat is going to come right back. And it, I used to say, no, you're just going to go to the gym. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. It was wrong. That's not, that's not actually what happens. It is going to go right back to where? The only fat cells that you have left on your body, and that's in your gut. So you're going to have a beer gut. And guess what? The other fat cells that you have are in your cheek. It's called your buccal fat pad. And people are going to come back, and they come back with a walnut in their cheek. And I call these people liposuction cripples. Because I have guys and I have ladies that have come into my office and they say, Doc, I don't get it. I had a bad doctor before. He sucked all, all the fat out, but all the fat came back to my gut and it came back to my face. And it looks like literally, Mike, that they have cheek, that, that they have a walnut in their cheek and that they have a beer gut. And they're like, Doc, I don't understand it. And I say, I say, guess what? You know? It's like Bill Gitton, Bill, Bill Clinton used to say, guess what? It's about the economy. Guess what, stupid? Guess what? It's about the fat cells because if you don't plug in that structural fat to your biceps, to your triceps, to your cheek, to your breast, to your butt in a good way, to your biceps, then that fat, that fat cell is going to go to a brand new beer gut and it's going to go to brand new walnuts in your cheek. And I call those people liposuction cripples. Five times they've had liposuction and, and what they're rewarded with is no subcutaneous fat, no fat underneath their skin. So they're all scooped out where their love handles used to be, but instead they trade it up for a big old pregnant gut. So what I hear you saying is you really, even if you're like, oh no, it's fine, doc, I don't need to beef up my X or my Y, you're like, you really do because that fat's going to come back somewhere. So if you're not going to be a thousand percent vigilant and that's that's a hard promise to make, right. the fat's going to come back. So it's even if you're like not trying to beef up, that's like half the equation. The other half is you got to give this fat, the fat's going to go somewhere. So it's like, why don't you choose where the fat goes as opposed to it just doing what it wants to do? Exactly. When, we, when I do body banking, and we call body banking because we bank the fat into those areas. When I do body banking, that does two things. That helps plump up those areas. So it's like getting, if you have a cheeseburger, it's like getting a free juvenile. If you put on 10 pounds, you know, accidentally, it goes to all of those places. It gives you bigger biceps, a bigger chest. It gives you a bigger cheekbone. And it's like getting a free Juvederm. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? A free Juvederm injection. It just gives your cheekbone a, a more of a pop. So we're right now at NYU, we're doing um, mouse studies to make sure that everyone knows that this is, this is a scientific hypothesis and a scientific principle. I do, Mike, I do see this in my practice. I know it's a real thing, but to, just to prove to all those doubting Thomases, we have a mouse model. We're doing it right now. Um, we're planning it right now at the NYU labs. I have a great, great uh, resident named Sammy, and he's where Doc Sammy is working this out in the labs. 
and we're going to prove to everyone that this that this principle, that this hypothesis that I thought of, because I've seen it in clinical practice, really does exist in an animal model, and it's the real thing. So how does that work? How long will that fat last? How long can I store it in the bank? And then is there a monthly fee, or do you just hold on to it, or how does that work logistically? Yeah. That's the great thing that you're saying. In the 80s and 90s, uh, all these dermatologists got rich, rich because they pulled out your fat, they stored it in these big ice tanks. The ice tanks killed off half of the cells. They charged these rich New Yorkers an arm and a leg to keep their fat stored in, stored in negative 70. Charge them an arm and a leg to keep their arm and a leg. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And they did, then they'd pull it out, half the cells would be dead, and they'd inject it back in your cheek. It turned out to be hugely costly, and now it's just easier for everyone to use Juvederm and, and Restylane and, and the hyaluronic products. So that all went by the wayside. But the great thing about body banking is your own body is banking that fat and it's it's stored right there and your body is doing it for guess what? It's doing it for free. So that's that's the best thing about it. And the thing about the back to your question, you asked me how long does this last? I'll tell you what, in young guys and young women, the fat lasts a long time and a lot more of it lasts than one would expect. In fact, when we go to conferences, I tell people that you have to be careful about injecting too much fat. If you inject too much fat underneath the eyes, because people are used to older people where some of the fat dissolves because the fat, the quality of the fat cells is not as great. In younger guys, you have to be careful because fat is very strong. It's a very powerful tool. And if you put it underneath the eyes to pop out those, we call them the tear trough, you have to be careful not to put too much in young people because I've had some doctors that I've talked about how they've had to go back and take some of that fat out that they injected. So in a young person, a lot, and I'm in a young person, I'm going to say 60 to 80 percent of it will survive because fat cells in a young person, and I mean 20s, 30s, is very good. It's very resilient. Now in older people, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, not as not as much of the fat survives. So I would say for them, it's somewhere between. 30 to 70 percent, 30 to 50 percent. And if it survives, is that kind of it for a lifetime or does it does it go away after years or decades? No, it's going to stick around. Some of it will go, you usually get about your final result after two years, but if it's there and the fat has a blood supply, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay there. The fat cells are there. They've been transplanted. So people say, um, like when you transplant my fat cells, after two years, are they going to die? It's like saying, um, if you transplant my liver, is the, is the liver going to like waste away? Well, if you don't take good care of it, yeah, it's not. But if you if the fat cells have a good blood supply, they're going to be there for the rest of your life. So here's a probably dumb question, but a logical one if you're dopey like me. What, why not, if I'm 60 and some other guy's going to, 20-year-old's going to throw away his fat, is that, can I use that fat or is it kind of like my body's going to reject it because it's not mine? That, that's an excellent question. What you, what you have to have, we can do all the fat transfers we want, it's you, but it's got to be from a fat twin. So... Fat, I missed that last word. It's got to be from a fat what? A twin brother or sister. Got it. So if you have, hopefully, and everyone should have one, maybe you were separated at birth. 
like the the, the, the the twins down in Bogota that, which, that were switched in the hospital, and they realized 30 years later that they were switched. If you were, if you have a, you have to look on the internet to see if you have a twin brother or twin sister, and hope that they're really fat, because bring them on in, and I can suck out all their fat, and I can put it into you wherever you want. But now the re, the the realistic, like the practical answer to that, is to be able to transfer someone fat. It's just like transferring a, a, a liver. If it's if it's a living related liver or a living related fat that's not an exact genetic twin match, then you have to be put on some immunosuppressive uh, medicines. And same thing with a non-related. Like if someone is, sadly dies in a car accident, they give their liver to a guy that needs their liver. We have to put that on that surviving liver. Uh, benefit the guy that gets the liver. We have to put him on immunosuppressants. Well, the the thing about it from a medical standpoint, it's sort of not worth it because those can put you at risk to to, to either get a cancer or b to get a bad infection. So that's why we have to be really really careful, and that's why it's not really practical to do that for fat transfer. But if you have a twin, bring your twin in. So it sounds like it's possible without a twin, but not medically sound. Yeah, it it, it will get there with medical technology evolving. We will, get, we will get a point where the toxicity of the immunosuppressive medicines are so low that we'll be able to transfer anything to anyone and, or we'll be able to wash off sort of the antibodies and clean up the fat and plug it into anybody. And, you, and someday you're going to be, be able to have designer fat. Angelina Jolie is going to have liposuction. They're going to separate out all those cells. They're going to grow up all those cells. And then they're going to send them to the plastic surgeons. And guess what? You can have Angelina's fat <laughs> injected into your cheekbone. I mean, you, you laugh and I laugh, Mike. But you, there are companies right now that are working exactly on that. They're working on growth factors from celebrities, from Kim Kardashian, that they can, they can, that, that her growth factors can go into on top of your fat cells so that her nutrients that make her beautiful can stimulate the right factors in your fat cells and then we re-inject them into you. That sounds laughable, it sounds crazy, beauty, celebrity, designer, injectable fat, but that will someday be the future of plastic surgery. But the, even even if that even if and when that becomes a reality, that's got to be a, a, a vanity thing, not a, it's not like her quality of her fat is any it's not you know what i'm saying it's just like i want to be able to say i've got her fat more than this is a superior actual product there's not i mean someone's going to put a marketing spin on it i'm not advocating for it and i'm not saying that there's that that there's a science behind it there may there may be at some point you know there may be something that is about uh that about about these cells from um from a standpoint uh, where 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 the cells have a different sort of metabolism, so at some point there may be some way to 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 control those. But at this point, we're not there. Well, I'm going on record now, one saying that's ridiculous and it'll never take off. <laughs> with with the caveat, I'm also the jerk that you know 15 years ago was going water in a bottle. I can get out of the tap. Nobody's going to pay a dollar a bottle for water. So okay. again, my, my track record's awful, but I'm still going online saying that that's just ridiculous and will never take that's, off. You're probably right, but just in case, you can buy the stock. I'll sell you the stock after I run it up. <laughs> Th thank you very little, sir. <laughs> yeah, right?
All right, cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I feel like that's just a ton of information on a, a niche that we never get to talk about. And I know that uh, as a guy, you know, when I'm talking to friends or family or just people that are interested in the show, I get a lot of interest from women. And I feel like I don't have a place for the guys that might be interested but embarrassed or interested but like, oh, there's nothing there for me. This would be a great show to just say, hey, this is this is this is the one. If you're a guy, you need to listen to. That yeah, said. Mike, Mike, can I say, can I interrupt you to say one thing? You hit the nail on the head. There, there, and you want to know another prediction? In 10 years, instead of 90-10, 90, 90, 90% women, 10% men, with new education, with more doctors having websites, I'm, I, I'm, I want to launch a, a, nas- a national franchise of male plastic surgery. There will, we will create and educate and make it okay for men to have this and, and and take it out of the the, the, the take it out of the closet. Make make guys make the metrosexuals feel okay about it. Make straight guys feel okay about it. Make businessmen feel okay about it. And it will it will be the point where it'll be sixty forty, just like I started out the, the show. It will be sixty forty instead of ninety ten. And there will be some guy, if not you, there'll be somebody that will have a male plastic surgery podcast. If you don't do it, somebody else will. When I got to say, for better or worse, I think that prediction, I'm 100% behind. I can absolutely see um, that segment of the market growing. And and congratulations for being kind of on the tip of the spear of that because I think there's a lot of pent-up want, desire, need, whatever you want to call it, and it's not being served. Yeah. I spoke with with the leaders of the biggest companies in plastic reconstruction that make all of these injectables. Two years ago, they didn't want to hear anything from me. They didn't want to hear anything about this men thing. They kept on saying, Dr. Steinberg, just do more breast dogs. Dr. Steinberg, just, you know, just use your products for they use for women. Just do more of it for or just for men. Do more of it for women. Now they listen to me. Now when I talk about things, and now the biggest companies got wise. And now they're promoting more for men. They're looking at products for men. It's completely changed. Well, when you got half of every perspective patient in a certain category for crying out loud, build a product that he or she's interested in. Exactly. All right. Perfect. So that said, you know, I feel bad. You, you mentioned kind of in passing an LA site. Are you, if someone wants to uh, hook up with you or are you New York exclusive or are there multiple locations they can find sure, you? I'm, I'm New York right now, but we're developing uh, an office uh, in Beverly Hills. So the website is up. If you want to see it, it's uh it's male plastic surgery, uh, Los Angeles, or you can just Google my name in Los Angeles and you're going to find it and you can speak with our people in New York and in the next year we'll be out in Los Angeles. Beautiful. Cause I think that kind of covers most people. If you're, if you're on New York and LA, everybody's less than a you know, four or five hour plane ride from you. Yep. Cool. And yep. do you have a lot of, uh, gentlemen flying out to, for your services? Uh, absolutely. I would say probably, probably about, uh, Probably about 30% of our guys, like I said, one guy just flew in from Florida. And for my male model makeover, which I also have a YouTube video about that, is basically in 15 minutes re-injecting the face to make it look more like a, like, like a, a male model or, or a Hollywood uh, 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 actor. That, uh, a movie star, that video now has 40,000 40, views. And from that YouTube video, people have flown in. And I'm not making this up. People have flown in from San Francisco, from Boston, from Los Angeles, from Florida, from Bahrain, and a guy, I just did a guy that flew in from, that was Dutch, he flew in from Holland, 
last week to do it. So we've had guys that have flown in from all over the world uh, to do these things. Absolutely. And we have an amazing staff and we have an amazing concierge group that is used to taking care of high-profile cl- uh, clients and patients and really and really treating them well. All right. Well, if you can get me a link to that video, we'll definitely put it on the show notes page because I think that's something Plastic Surgery Nation would be uh, would be definitely interested in. So. Yeah. I could talk to you about this all the live long day, but you know, all of a sudden I'm going to start getting billed and I won't be able to afford it. So we're going to move to the lightning round for my financial well-being. And I'm going to ask you four quick questions. You're going to give us four quick answers. Men and women, mostly men for once across the nation and world are going to be pleased. Question number one, what is uh, the number one quick and easy health or beauty tip you have for Plastic Surgery Nation? Health and beauty tip? Yes, sir. Yeah, one is injectables. If you're trying to find out what you want to look like with a chin implant, a cheek implant, a jaw implant, go into your plastic surgeon and try the injectables first. And like I said, go to my video and you'll see. In 15 minutes, you can find out. You can save a lot of money, and that's the best tip for that. Beautiful. What is your favorite procedure to perform and why? Uh, 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 Above all, favorite procedure is my male model makeover. But I got to say my second favorite is injecting the pecs and the biceps and the triceps. Uh, I love doing that with gladiator abs. It's amazing. Well, you, I don't know who does, if it's you or somebody, but whoever comes up with these names is my hero. I am digging the, <laughs> the daddy do-over the and the do-over, gladiator abs. I came up with that. That was mine. All right. Well, this is why you get paid this and your, your, your tremendous skill. This is why you get paid the big bucks, sir. Yeah. All right. If you had to or got to have one piece of plastic surgery on for yourself, what would it be? Biceps, man. Biceps. I, mean, I, I love out, that. I work out three. I work out three three times a week. I do Barry's boot camp. I do truth training. I do soul cycle. I do swerve. I do flywheel. I do all of them. Do yoga. But I just, I want more mass. I've reached my genetic potential and I'm pretty fit. I'm pretty lean and, and I'm not, I'm not looking too bad for 50. I'm an old guy. But what I would like to do is have more mass and these, either with a bicep implant, it, it now takes me eight minutes. It t- if you t- multiply that by two, it takes me 16 minutes to put in two beautiful bicep implants. And uh, it's amazing. Every time I pop one in or if I inject it with fat, it's even less time. Every time I see the, the smile on these guys' face, I say I want to train somebody to do that so that they can do it for me. Yeah, that's the problem being the guy that's the, the, the tip of the spear is you have no one to do it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. What is the number one thing to avoid uh, when considering plastic surgery that you'd make sure you told friends, family that you weren't able to help them? Like, hey, make sure you watch out for this no matter what. Don't get this in a surgeon or surgery. You got, you got, you got, what, you got what you have to do is you have to watch out for people. That there are really great surgeons who um, are not very good at promoting their practice or educating people about the practice. But what's worse is there are very um, surgeons that are not that great technically or unfortunately didn't have great training. And those people may, may, may appear with a huge, very expensive marketing platform that they are the Wizard of Oz. But just like the Wizard of Oz was a little guy behind the curtain, they, they don't have they don't have what it takes. When I when I when someone comes in for gladiator abs, now I have close to eighty um, before and after photos that I could show them, and and I have another forty patients that would be happy to jump on the phone for me because they love what I've done. They send me selfies every day, 
that they would that they would be happy to talk to that patient. If you walk into a doctor's office and they don't have any before and afters for this, they're not uh, board certified by America, or they're not a member of ASAPS, American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, surgery or a great uh, facial plastic surgeon or a great dermatologist from there, you have to make sure that you get up and you leave and you find some guy uh, that does something. If it's male plastic surgery, go to Google male plastic surgery and find some guy that not only have, promotes a big website, but has a ton of before and after real photos that are real people that, that look just like you. All right, beautiful. Just absolutely well said. So I got to say, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and expertise. When you want to connect with Dr. Steinbrecht and his team, again, you can call him at 212-750-7100 or just go to mailplasticsurgerynewyork.com. That said, Dr. Steinbrecht, I appreciate you. Plastic Surgery Nation appreciates you. Plastic Surgery Nation, if you're a dig in the show, make sure to continue the conversation by telling out, telling your friends and checking out plasticsurgerypodcast.com, especially Dr. Steinbrecht's page. You can get all sorts of free, cool stuff, behind the scenes pictures, more content, everything you need to know if you're even considering plastic surgery. Leave your questions, your comments, your rude remarks. I will respond to every one of them and I will see you there. Congratulations. You now have more of the knowledge you need to get the body you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to subscribe to the show through iTunes or at our website, www.plasticsurgerypodcast.com, where you can check out show notes, the plastic surgery blog, and all the other cool stuff that lives there.